Hey there, and welcome to episode number 22 of season two. So 22 of season two of the World of Presentations podcast brought to you by Asset Presentation Agency 356 Labs. Today we have a very special guest. By the way, my name is Boris. I'm the founder of the company. But yet again, I'm not the important person. I'm I, I'm really into introducing you our guest today because he's a very, very special person. It took us a lot of time to make to, to have him on the podcast and as part of present to succeed he is going to open the event so david jp phillips is today with us davis david welcome i mean welcome to the podcast finally thank you man thank you sorry that took a bit of time it's been a bit busy the last uh, half a year or so but i am absolutely thrilled to be here i've heard a lot of your previous episodes so yeah i'm um, super stoked to be here and i know mark bowden is going to be presenting with me as well later yeah. on when we do the mark show. will be That's with cool. you chase will be with you there will there are just a lot of great great people that are going to be around you for sure however wow. before we talk about anything related to the conference let's kind of intro let, let's just do a quick intro for those of you who don't know you And for those of who, for those of the people who are listening and don't know you more or less, let us know a little bit about yourself because I have a lot of questions that I can ask. But let's start here. Sure thing. Okay, so I'm a public speaker coach. I um, think I'm most known for my three TED talks, which yep. together today has about six million views. The first one was how to avoid death by PowerPoint, and the second one was the magical science of storytelling. And the third one is the 110 Steps of Excellence, where I studied 5,000 speakers for seven years. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's where I come from, but I've been doing this all my life. I've been doing this for 20 years. It's my absolute devotion in life. And it's it's just, I, I live and breathe this, you know? This is, this, is, <laughs> this is the depth of my heart. This is my love of my life. Yeah, you can say, like, if people follow you around on, for example, YouTube or any other platform, they can easily say that. I mean, they can easily say that, but the three TED Talks, how do you, let's get into some interesting things that can potentially help the audience that's listening to that one. So three TED Talks, all of them very different. Obviously, all of them are related to presentations, but how do you prepare for a TED Talk? Like if somebody is going to listen to that one and gets invited, what would you advise them to do? How do you prepare for those? I've got a very strict regime and it goes okay. like this. I spend about six months writing down all the ideas that come to my head. I start feeding my brain by, by um, I guess I don't actually read books on storytelling if I'm going to do a talk on storytelling because that kind of infects my brain. So instead I read good stories. So I read people who write good stories, books. I read... Uh, scientific articles which can relate to storytelling. I feed my brain for six months and then I, and I used to use Wonderlist, but they've removed that now. But anyhow, I used to do with Microsoft now. And then I write down every single idea and thought I have for six months. And then I stand in front of a whiteboard and I write it all down like a man mind map. So I just, every single thing that I have written down just goes up on there. Yeah. I remember my last keynote or last TED talk, I think I had three absolutely filled to the brim whiteboards with ideas. Okay. And then when I had written all that down, I started looking at them and 
I think I spent about two days just trying to find a thread in them. Like, what is logical? What adds? What, what adds up in this? And then when I had that, I spent a day kind of finalizing the flow and the, uh, and the progression of the talk. Yeah. And then I started writing the manuscript. And I read, I, I write, write down every single word I'm going to say. And then I try it. And then I kind of redo parts. And then I try it again and redo parts. And then I keep on doing that for a couple of days. And then when I'm done with that, I start rehearsing it and then adding gestures, adding body language. And uh, last but not least, I start adding facial expressions. Okay. And as I go along, I change the word here or there, but I don't change that much from the manuscript when I've come so far. Mm. But obviously in the TEDx process, you also have to send your manuscript to TEDx at a certain point in time in order mm. for them to kind of um, confirm that it's good and okay. So that's part of the process as well. Okay, so you said, like, first of all, the interesting thing here, I believe for everyone that's listening will be, first of all, you haven't even mentioned PowerPoint or Keynote or Google Slides or any tool like that, which is obviously a sign for, I hope for people that are listening to, <laughs> to that one. And second of all, you mentioned also rehearsing, like how much time do you rehearse for a talk or for those three talks that end up accumulating that amount, that crazy amount of yours, like, let's just get into the context for people to hear, because I don't know whether or not you notice it, but at least with the people that we work with, they believe that, you know, it's like, it's a blink. It's very fast. Yeah. They just go there and deliver it. Yeah. And it's, it's a big success. However, how much time do you spend on making those presentations, making those talks successful? I usually, I think I, I prepare something around four to six hours per minute. Okay. Four to six hours per minute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that is what, so that's on the normal TED talk, let's say 20 minutes. Let's kind of yeah. say that it's 20. What, mm. what does it mean? Like this is uh, maybe 80 to 120 hours per talk. Yeah. That is <laughs> just think about how many people do spend that amount of time on their, on their presentations, only on the rehearsal part. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. Only on the rehearsal part. Hopefully people will, will kind of listen to what's, <laughs> what's happening here and what are we, what type of commitment we are talking about here. But that's like, if you want to make it very, very good. And if, especially it's going to be recorded, it's a, such a public talk, like the TEDx talks or a TED talk. It's obviously like big, big deal. All right. So then yeah. you also talk in one of those talks, you talk about those 110 public speaking techniques that you found and you mentioned it at the beginning, like give us the behind the scenes. What happened there? How did you came up with all of that? Like what can people expect? Because we should definitely link to that one afterwards. Yeah. Uh, so what happened was that probably around 10 or 12 years ago when I was doing coaching, I, mm. I started seeing patterns in people's behaviors. So for instance, maybe one was tilting their head to the left when they said something empathetic. And then somebody did not. And the impression was different. So I asked the person who did not to tilt their head as well. And the impression was better. And I thought, my God, wonder if, wonder if we have like a limited amount of skills that we use when we communicate. There has to be a limit somewhere. Mm. And I started looking around. And I couldn't find any books on it. So 
I, I may have just started using Excel and I wrote down every single skill I could use that anybody used during their talks and presentations mm. and meetings. And I went on for about, I think, five years with doing this. And it didn't strike me that it could be something useful for others. So I think the last three years, I more systematically started doing it and my team started helping me. Mm. And the last, I remember the last six months, I couldn't find any new skills, like major skills. I found 160, I think, in total. And mm. then I brought that down and kind of grouped them so that they became 110, just an even number, a little easier, 160 is super overwhelming. 110 is just overwhelming. You can't yeah. bring it down any smaller than that. Uh, I, there's probably more. I just haven't seen them. And I think if it's one or two more, that doesn't really matter. If you, the point is this, that the more of these that you learn and the more of them you use on stage, the more magnetizing you become. Mm. So what do you see? Like I know from your team that you analyze speakers you're being asked even to analyze speakers based on that on based on those findings like do you have an average of the speakers that you analyze like what are what do you see do you do they get 55 at least like half of them at least like what's happening there okay so it's uh, it's quite a complicated algorithm behind this but very easily put it's like this you have the 110 skills each mm. skill is weighed differently so pause okay. is a, given a higher score than a smooth gesture, for instance. Okay. All right. So a person can score on all of these, but very low, or they can score all on of all on these and very high. So mm. based on that, our scale is zero to 110. And I would say that the average person, they deliver around 25 to 30 points. And I would say the average manager delivers 30 to 35. The average public speaker delivers somewhere around 55. Okay. And the average professional speaker uh, delivers somewhere around 60. Wow, that's not that, like, that's not that high. <laughs> Think about it. No, you have to go pretty. There are very few people in the world that deliver over 85, 90 when it comes to public speaking. Okay, so do you do you recommend when people see all of those and you can afterwards, we can name a few of those, of course, um, you actually named a few of those already, but like, do you recommend, what is, is there like a threshold? Is there a metric that you can say, okay, now that I know them, I would strive for obviously the, like all of them, right? Like mm -hmm. obviously, but up until I get to 85 or 90, if I get above this, everything above this is super nice, right? And I'm yeah. obviously going to differentiate tremendously. Is there like yeah. a number that you see maybe above 70 or 80 or 90 where you can say, okay, like that is, that is surely going to be a really good talk? That's a good question. I like that question. Uh, I would say that the number would probably be somewhere around 70, 75. Okay. 70, 70 to 80 somewhere around there it depends on which skills you apply as well but around there what happens then when you're at that number is that you can walk in on stage mm. and practically deliver any content and wow, it'll okay. be magnetizing 
Okay, that is a bold statement. You know that. <laughs> yeah, but well, okay. There's there's obviously like super. I I wouldn't mm. be able to explain how you send a rocket up into space to a high to engineers, for instance. But you could you could take practically any like basic subject, and you could make people magnetized to it. So what I do when I train people and coach people mm. and build sales presentations for companies, I listen to the sales managers and the CEO, and they pitch it to me. And then I spend one hour redoing their presentation and I pitch it to them. And it's usually the best thing they've ever seen in their entire life. So you redo the presentation in front of them after one hour. Yeah. That's nice. That is nice. And they're like, yeah, can, it's almost can we magic, you? I think, to their eyes. It, like, can you work for us? <laughs> is, there, yeah. is there any moments like that? So. What do you think of us buying your business and work, starting working with us? <laughs> These yeah. Animals, like, <laughs> yeah, especially for some large organizations, there may be a moment at, in time where they can say just, okay, that is crazy. I mean, let's just crazy. figure it out together. <laughs> they usually say crazy, yeah, but uh, then I've done it for 20 years as well. So that's, you know, you, yep. you, it's, it's just, it just becomes natural to me to see all the quirks and all the things I have to do. Yeah, of course. So you said that there are, you group them, right? You group mm -hmm. them. And now there are 110, like if we have to kind of go through them, just an overview from the top, what yeah. are the groups? Can you kind of go from like a very abstract view to summarize all like those important things? The main categorizations are body language. And then okay. we've split out gestures because that's, that's a, a rather big part of body language. Mm. And, and then we've split out facial expressions and then we've split out language okay. and then we have split out we've actually split out nervousness as well as a category itself okay. because there are six or seven very specific tells if a person is nervous and those tells bring down the entire content itself mm. if you're not in control over it and being nervous and being in control of it is one thing because then you can actually use that to your benefit Yep. But being nervous and not being in control of it, that then you lose out a lot. And then there's actually one category which is really hard to define, and it's called ultimate. I just had to call it something. Okay. And there are 10 different skills in that category. And it's like when you've fulfilled all the others, then you can start to max out on ultimate. Mm. So for one, just give you one idea what ultimate yep. could be. It could be loves presenting All right so that's an ultimate skill it's like you love to present you can see in the person's eyes in their body language in their face in their voice that everything they say they absolutely make love to their own presentation and mm -hmm. when you see a person devour and love their presentation and presenting that much you you copy their behavior through your mirror neurons and you get all excited because that person is excited you fall in love with the subject yeah. because that person has fell in love with the subject and that's a very hard skill to define and therefore it's under ultimate as one particular skill where you can gain quite a lot of points and a lot of speakers are usually around three or four or 30 or 40 percent of that one because they've done their speak, speak they've done their talk so many times that they're tired of it they go mm. like word by word and you, you can see glimpses of love in their presentations or they're nervous and there's no love at all and it's uh, it's a very important skill to be able to have on stage and it's taken me a long time to truly show it and, and have it as well hmm. 
Okay, so where can people find more about those 110 pub? How do you define them exactly so they can 110 steps of excellence is what I call them. Perfect. So where can they find it? Is it on the website, your website? Uh, well, you have a, you have the talk. Uh, it's a TEDx talk, and you can have a look at that. That's 18 minutes, and that will give you a super great insight and, and the best skills. And then yeah. I have my jpuniversity.com, where I have collected every single skill that I teach um, and just created online training courses randomly. Yeah, jp jpuniversity.com. That is, and you have created this in some like the design of it is very very interesting. Like you're. It's like a game or something. It looks very, very interesting. It's not the typical, you know, it's not the typical website where you get an online training. It looks like a book that you open or like a game of some kind that's very, very like unusual, I would say. Unusual. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I built that the same way as I built my TED Talks. I spent probably two years just gathering how I wanted it to look like. And then I, employ the development team and they spent two years building it and then wow. when they built it i i started adding content to it so yeah. there's no lms no learning system in the world that looks uh, similar to it because of that yeah when it's custom built yeah that that makes that makes it unique <laughs> by yeah. nature obviously okay you are all you are all like i ended up seeing the first talk that I saw you delivering was actually the storytelling talk. Okay. You are very, very much into storytelling. And I mean, very much. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> a lot. And there was also that incredible point that you made that, hey, like we have been communicating through storytelling for thousands of years. And then the comparisons of written language, all of that, and then, hey, PowerPoint is 40 years old. <laughs> like, yeah. one do you believe we are, like, accustomed to or yeah. Our brain is accustomed to more. What is it about storytelling that, like, you believe is so, so important? Why is it that there is just so much noise in the world of business nowadays about storytelling? What's happening there? Well, in a way, I believe it's the... I wouldn't, maybe, maybe something else comes around, but I would believe it's the ultimate communication tool in the world. Mm. And why I'm saying that is because one, we've used storytelling far, 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 far longer than any other means of, of moving information from generation to generation. So the grandfather would tell a story which the, the sons and the daughters would learn from, and then yeah. they would apply it in their lives. And we've been doing that for ages. And then secondly, do you know what's interesting? It's that when people say that they are not storytellers, mm. you, everyone is, because every single day we tell a hundred stories easily about our past in our own brain. So mm. we go back into our past and we pick up a story about something that happened somewhere and we start thinking about that. And then we start feeling sad. We're so good at telling stories to ourselves that we put ourselves into depressed states, mm. anxiety, sadness. And then some of us are really good at telling positive stories to ourselves. I.e., we mm. pick up the good examples from life. Oh, wow, when that happened. Oh, when that's going to happen. Oh, when I succeed with that. And we tell ourselves success stories in our brain about the past and the current and the future. Mm. And so human beings every single one we tell so many stories every single day because that is how our brain relates to our reality 
Mm. And when we jack into that tool, well, that's how people listen because that's how they are used to consume information. We don't see PowerPoint slides in our brain. It's the most stupid tool around when it comes to moving information from one brain to another brain. There's not a slide in the brain. The brain cannot interpret PowerPoint slides as easily as it can interpret storytelling because that is how it interprets reality. Yeah, that's many why. Yeah, many many people would probably laugh if PowerPoint was like, if it was possible to have a sli <laughs> slide in your brain somehow. <laughs> like, yeah, we have to go yeah. with Elon Musk's Neuralink for that. Yeah, but if if you just once you go back and just start to analyze the type of slides that people see and the types of slides that people create, yeah, Jesus, like it is very scary story. <laughs> by yeah. by itself, that is a scary story. Also, it's okay. so shocking, you know. But but is that's culture for you? We see others do it, so we do it as well. Yeah. Do you see yeah. that? By the way, do you see because you also have the Dead by PowerPoint uh, talk you're in sweden and that region by nature is famous right it's just famous with it with the simplicity with the minimalism of the design everything you everything that's being built in that region is just it's popular you know it's it's famous about that minimalism and that approach to minimalism that it has is that like do you see it being applied to the presentations people create out there um, in, in a way, yeah, I, I, I do believe that the PowerPoints I, I see in the US mm. and the PowerPoints. Or is it? I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, and the PowerPoints I see in Germany, for instance, uh, they are way more complicated than the PowerPoints I see in Sweden. Mm. I think there's there's a certain thing to what you're saying that uh, then there is definitely a sense of simplicity in our PowerPoints compared to uh, those regions, definitely. Yeah. Mm. Okay, that is that is interesting. We were like I, uh, we were wait a minute, what is this? So it's now December almost 2020. So we were a year and a half ago. And we were actually in Stockholm, in this incredible place which was called it's a working space wait for it um epicenter is it epicenter yeah 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 I've been so there. we were there that place by the way for everyone that can once this all of this corona stuff disappears go to sweden go to stockholm just because of <laughs> epicenter it is incredible and the guy <laughs> that owns it has a chip in his hand which unlocks the doors yeah I mean, it is super nice. <laughs> he, when I first saw him, he was like touching with, obviously people won't see that, but bringing his hand very close to the lock and yeah. the door was opening. I was like, hmm, what, <laughs> what is going on in here? So it was, I, I, then I heard that somebody was actually asked to friend him. So he asked somebody to friend him. And the way he did it was to, close to get his hand very closely to him yeah. because this was uh, this was sharing his linkedin profile yeah or something yeah or something yeah. like I know it, yeah oh my god i mean that is insane <laughs> anyhow but when we were there we were talking about because we have uh, we ended up working with a very cool company in sweden and 
we were planning this trip to there. So we decided, hey, let's meet them. Let's talk with them. Let's deliver something in Epicenter because we had some friends there. And then we saw that people were like, because we were showing their case study, uh, the sales collateral, the sales presentations that we created in collaboration with them. And everyone seemed so shocked of the simplicity, you know? First of all, what shocked me for Swedish is that they don't get to seminars and web or workshops after 6 p.m. That was the, that was like, incredibly shocking like that it was when we as you said when you see some somebody just their reactions tell you something when we ask them hey why don't we do it after working hours and their initial like their initial response their initial reaction is like no we're not <laughs> nobody does that <laughs> so we were like why is that oh we have children we have this we have that i was like wow that's interesting but anyhow we were surprised that people were how can I say it? people were kind of pleasantly surprised by the simplicity of their presentations. And I was like, wait a minute, this is Sweden. This should be the normal, right? Why are people like, why are people amazed by stuff like that? It should be, obviously yeah. there is quite some things to be done there. I'm not saying Swedes are good. I'm just saying that they're slightly better than the US and the Germans when it comes to making things more simple. I'm not saying that you can walk into any boardroom in Sweden and their PowerPoints are sublime. That is not the case by a part <laughs> of, yeah. Okay, obviously, so they have the design to work on. They have the 30, 25, 35 points, more or less, on the speaking skills. There is yeah. quite some work, obviously. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah, so you, just going back very quickly to the storytelling, you also did some quite some research in regards to the chemicals the, that storytelling provokes and that being released in people's bodies, can you kind of elaborate like very quickly on the most basic type of things here? Because many you said it very well that, hey, we were born this way, we communicate this way. This is the natural type of thing for us. However, then when you supported it with those points, when you talked about the chemicals that run through our bodies, then it's like, okay, now that is serious stuff. So that gets like serious. So can you elaborate mm -hmm. quickly on that one? Uh, yeah, sure. So yeah, we have neurochemicals and uh, hormones that are part of how we feel. Mm. And uh, which one we we have a concentration of makes us feel one way or another. So for instance, if you look somebody deep into their eyes, you know, a neurochemical called oxytocin is released. Mm. And we feel that we bond closer to that person. Yeah. Now, the same thing works in storytelling as well. So if I tell you a story about something sad that has happened to me in my life and you feel empathy for me, oxytocin is produced and we bond. Mm. So if I would like to bond with you now, I could then simply tell you a personal story mm. and your oxytocin would be released in your brain and you would bond closer to me as a human being. We would become friends faster. And knowing that which neurochemical does what in the brain and which story you should tell to get what kind of effect, well, <laughs> suddenly you, you have the most powerful tool in, in the world. There is just simply no other tool where you can inject different neurochemicals based on different stories to give, get different psychological effects. It's insane, really, that it's not used more. And it's obviously super dangerous as well because if you're manipulative, you can kind of you can control another person's brain like a puppet at the end of the day it's mm. it's very very dangerous very powerful yeah there are 
I think that there was quite some research done also. Uh, Kendall Heaven, who is joining the conference, uh, I don't know if you know him, but he's going to talk because he's one of the one of the people that did quite a lot of those EEG, fMRI scans in regards to storytelling and story in, in itself. So he was actually hired by the US military and the government there to kind of analyze, hey, like what take what makes it for some of those terrorist organizations, what what makes it like what makes their communication so effective? Right? Yeah. Like what are they doing? And it turns out that they are obviously, obviously incredible in storytelling and in how they kind of convey their stories. That's their most powerful weapon, more or less. Yeah. So you're going to talk about that part, the storytelling part, and you your session is on storytelling at the conference. What should people expect to hear from you there? Like, give us an overview of, let's put the expectations high, as people say. <laughs> yeah. So what should, well, what can be- I, I believe if you haven't heard my talk before and you haven't really dived into the part of neurochemicals when it comes to storytelling, mm. you will be blown away. Mm. Yeah. And that's that's just the bar is set at that level because I know I've done that uh, all over the world for yeah. hundreds and thousands of people and the effects are the same. You go like, oh, wow, that's insane. So you can actually feel the difference between different stories and the way they impact you psychologically. And I do that live. Yeah, even virtually though. It works even virtually. Uh, yeah. It's still live though. Yeah, it is still. Of course, <laughs> it is live. But what what do you see? So obviously we said we have set the expectations very high. So, <laughs> so now uh, you like a lot of things changed. A lot of things changed. People moved from in person to online to Zoom to Teams to whatever to what do you see is being different there? Like you work with a lot of people all across the planet like what do you guys see that's different what do you advise the people that you work with to change in the way they present or prepare to present because they now have to deliver it through a camera through a zoom call through some type of software like are there any tips and tricks here from your end uh, yeah absolutely i i well, number one so 110 skills have never okay. been more important okay Right. That's interesting. Because when you're at the camera, you mm. don't really have that connection in the same way. There is a there is a discrepancy. And therefore, using your facial expressions, using your voice, being mm. able to pause, being able to increase pace, slow pace, bass pace, up volume, down volume, emphasis, using those is incredibly important now. Mm. It was important before, but it's even more important now. So I would... I would say the number one thing is that people believe, it seems like so many people believe that, hey, I can do the same things I did before mm. in video. But it mm -hmm. doesn't work like that because our attention span is shorter when it comes to not being in the same room with other people. Yeah. We can easily look at our mobile phone. We can easily think about other things. We can easily be in another world. And some people, some companies, there is even allowed to turn off the camera, which, <laughs> which is like, they are obviously not attentive in mm. the same way as if they were, were in the same room. Yeah. But you have to grab that attention. You have to build dopamine. You have to tell stories. You have to use 110 steps more clearly. Meetings need to be shorter. Meetings mm. need to be more interesting. Oh, the objectives need to be sharper. Everything needs to level up 
in order for you to be good at video conference presenting. Yeah. So what you're saying is that contrary to people's beliefs, and I, I will confirm this on our end with our customers, everyone thinks that just because they're at home, it's easier now, but it's not. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's way harder than it's ever been. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what are the other, like, if we have to come up even in the online world or in the in-person world, what are like, do you see, what are the top mistakes that you have seen in those 20 years of your experience working with those organizations, individuals, etc.? What are the top mistakes that people do there? Be that online or in person, like it doesn't yeah. really matter. So people don't. Right, so online, I would say it's their lack of eye contact. Okay. There are numerous studies which show that eye contact works through camera as well. So mm. by looking into a person's eyes through camera, yeah. you can get a connection with that person. Mm. And then people, they place their camera where their screen is not. Yeah. So place the camera where the screen is so that when you look at the camera, it seems like you're having eye contact with the person that you're talking mm. to. And I, I would say that's definitely number one when it comes to online. And when it comes to physical and online, I would probably say that it's filler sounds. I, I believe filler sounds is okay. one of the most obvious and common errors that people do. Really? Uh, 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 it makes it. <laughs> uh, the interesting thing with filler sounds, when you listen to people who have filler sounds, they usually have a higher frequency of filler sounds when they are not telling the truth, when they're uncertain, when they're unsecure, when they've lost their train of thoughts, when they're nervous. That's when they usually have more filler sounds. Mm. When they're comfortable, they don't have filler sounds. And the problem with that is that. If you're presenting something that you know really well, but you have filler sounds, it seems like you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Therefore, I would say that the number one of these 110 skills would be to remove your filler sounds because that what that means is that you can present anything and it will seem like you know what you're talking about from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, that would be an important one but god there's so many there's so many mistakes done in presentations that it's saddening it's mm -hmm. like it's like the ted talk that you and i talked about in the beginning so when i do a ted talk i know if i do it well if i just mm -hmm. what is that that's not a lot of time what is that i spend two weeks i spend two weeks in total preparing uh, and setting the the disposition and practicing maybe three weeks I, over a little bit more of a span of time. But the thing is this, that just have a look at death by PowerPoint. I think I've flown and delivered keynotes in somewhere, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 countries, just based on that TED Talk alone. It's mm. generated so much in my career and cash-wise. And it's, it's insane that people think that putting time into preparation it's not worth it. And then you have companies and the people, they complain and they go like, ah, they don't understand. Why is it moving so slowly? Why don't they comprehend? What am I not making clear? Oh my yeah. God, just prepare your presentations just really well and you don't have to do them again. The people will run out there flying with energy. Yeah, that is, I, this one, I cannot agree with you more. I am constantly blown away 
by how many people just miss on opportunities, you know, just because they are not prepared. Yeah. And how big of opportunities they miss. Like sometimes you cannot even, like I even had moments with the people that we work with saying them, hey, you cannot even justify what we, what you lost. Yeah, like you cannot even justify it. Like how do you know what just happened in the brain of one or two people that are in the room that are the executives of, let's say, Volkswagen or whatever that made them disagree, that made them lose interest? And what does that mean for you as an organization? Like, how can you justify that? It's just not trackable. You cannot know. Like, and I always, always push them. Like, any, it's just so annoying. Like, I'm, I get so annoyed in the same way as you do in regards <laughs> to how many people miss on their opportunities when they are being asked to present or when they decide to present themselves, right? Yeah. Like, they, they decide to present. They're not even asked to. So it's against their will. And then yet again, they are like, have you heard that one? You know, that's my thing. I have been doing it for 10 years, so I don't have to prepare. Mm-hmm. You heard that one? Yeah, 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 that one. That's a classic. And, and, and hey, 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 move this into family. How Same. many are getting divorces? How many are in quarrels with their partners because they never learn to communicate? Mm. You don't prepare for a discussion with your wife or your husband but you mm. can learn how to communicate more efficiently, mm. i.e. reducing the quarrels, uh, reducing the misunderstandings, removing or reducing the divorces. It's like, this is not a skill in the boardroom only. This is not just a skill for TED Talks. It's not a skill for video conferences only. It's a skill for every single time you open your mouth and you speak to another person. Yeah, I mean, completely agree. Anyhow, let's not get into that one because yeah. when, I, when, when I when I see your reaction, when I saw your reaction, especially in regards to the top mistakes question, yeah. I, I thought that you are going to say, okay, how many, how much time do we really have here? Because yeah. it, it can take us a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one last here. Obviously, we will link up the university. Obviously, we will link up the YouTube channel because you are doing some really, really cool stuff there. What else would you recommend people should take a look at that, let's put it this way, is not produced by you? It cannot. It can be something that's completely unrelated to presentations that you believe will make them better in what they do, like something generic maybe, or like what would you point that's important for them to take a look at except for everything that you have done obviously presentation skills in general anything that's a favorite of yours any a book a resource that's a favorite of yours that you always kind of recommend like do you have something on top of your head for that one because people don't know but that's not rehearsed right now so (laughs) yeah yeah you know it's not a resource itself but i think it's a fundamental way of thinking and it goes like this that okay if you are a, a speaker or a keynote speaker and you do talks on, I don't know, body language, don't mm. read other people's books on body language because then your talk will just became, become equal to their books and their talks. Okay. If you want to succeed as a keynote speaker, if you want to succeed as a presenter, you need to 
cross-reference from other subjects. So for instance, when I did my How to Avoid Death by PowerPoint, I actually read books about window uh, window marketing. Like how do you how do you furbish a window in a shop for it to look good? <laughs> and there are experts at this. So I read books on that, and then I applied those skills into how to avoid death by PowerPoint. And then when I did storytelling, I read books about the neuroscience of uh, of how we how we think. And then I, read, I applied that to storytelling. And when I did my JP Nurse, I did the same thing. So whenever I build a product, I use references from other areas, which, which relates to mine, but yeah. is not obvious. Yeah. So I would say that that would be my tip for find a source, read things that are not obviously related to yours and get creative from there. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. And I will end obviously on that one, but it's funny that you say that because this morning you probably have heard about those guys that are doing the, um, they have this platform that's called Masterclass, right? Do you mm -hmm. know that one? Mm -hmm. So I was looking at the Masterclass, forgot his name, obviously he's very popular in the architecture world. So I was yeah. looking at his Masterclass this morning and I wrote down something from one of his first videos that I'm going to now say to our designers, which is like exactly as you say, hey, look for the cross-reference because there are so many things that you can just take from everyone else's industry. And I, when I heard him saying, so he said more or less that like, listen to the customer, understand the customer and beyond the customer's needs and who or she, who he or she is, there is so much there is just so much um, space for creativity because yeah. that one is, I'm going to present it right now to our team here because sometimes I have heard at some points in the process, people saying, yeah, but their brand is not good enough. You know, their brand is just limiting. Yeah, accept their brand. There is so much space for creativity afterwards, right? So that is when I heard it, I was like, it's so funny to say that you are saying something like this today when I was looking at this one. So we are linking JP University. We are linking the TED Talks. Obviously, where can people talk with you? Is it LinkedIn? The fastest? Uh, I think, uh, no, actually, I would say I'm most actively active on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Yeah. Okay. And on Instagram. Okay, that's interesting. Didn't know that. Didn't expect that's that. That's usually where I talk to people personally on LinkedIn. There's so much activity that people, I have to have people who help me out. So I've got two people helping me out on LinkedIn responding. So, okay. So you have a Instagram. Yeah. Helping you out there. So Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube, obviously LinkedIn, careful there guys, <laughs> careful there. So, so we will link everything up. Thanks again for spending this already 50 minutes here on the podcast <laughs> yeah. 50 minutes already thanks for taking the time thanks for accepting and being part of the conference that's coming up definitely looking forward to seeing the session and definitely looking forward to i don't know like you joining us again for some something else at some point yeah why not, sure. why not? absolutely let's do it in the future yeah absolutely so 
Thanks everyone for listening. You can find absolutely everything uh, David is doing in the show notes. And if you want to know more about what we are doing, it's also going to be in the show notes. Just look for things that are called 356 laps and not 365 laps because many David, a lot of people make that mistake. <laughs> and if you want to know more about the conference where David and a lot more are going to speak and are going to be presenting on very interesting things, it's called presenttosucceed.com. Take a look at that one and see you in the next one.